Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, you all right? Yeah, I'm doing well. How's your week been? Yeah, it's um, been quite busy, really. Talking, um, did a workshop today, actually, where we were talking about having really good, effective one-to-ones and how we can avoid the blame or the, and taking accountability as well. So we were exploring what does that really mean in the lovely world of work? So really good feedback coming from it and different people's thoughts and opinions around what does that mean? How do we do it? So yeah, good good conversation today. Oh, marvellous. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation on this episode, episode 90, which is the second in our focus around harmony and balance, which is uh, looking at how do we manage time? What does that mean in terms of last episode was focusing on what does that mean to maximise our own management of time? And our focus today is, well, how important is it to manage expectations around time? And what link does that then have to the blame game? And interestingly, Devs, what prompted us to focus on this in this particular um, season is we've had a couple of people that have asked, are you going to cover things around a blame culture? And, you know, what does that mean in terms of one part of the organisation blaming the other for late delivery of deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really looking forward to this. And um, based on the feedback that we have from someone who messaged us from the last episode, how much they really enjoyed the little tidbit we shared, which was if you've got a lot that you want to get through, you want to be effective and efficient, beginning with the end in mind and planning backwards. So with that in mind, where last week we were practicing the Pomodoro method of short bursts of focus time to kind of keep pace. On this one, we are aiming for a approximately 20 minute conversation focusing on time and the blame game. So, Debs, in your very privileged position of getting to sniff around all sorts of different (laughs) (laughs) organisations and the inner workings, um, talk to us about what it means to have a blame culture. So tell us, what are you observing at the moment? Yes. Oh, it's it's quite toxic, actually, when you have that blame culture going on, because no one is taking accountability, responsibility, ownership, and they all mean slightly different things. Um, there's, you know, there's a sense that people are being excluded from stuff as well. So they might not be on the group email, or they might not get invest, invited to all of the meetings that they maybe should have done. So you know, they, they get, if you like, um, yeah, excluded out of things because they're perceived to be maybe the weaker members of the team that can't make a decision. And, you know, it's like, wow, that's so they're absent from the conversation or any discussions about it, which sidelines people, lacks confidence in them and makes them feel awful, like they're not adding any value. Um, and I think the other thing I've seen is this finger pointing, that bit that says, well, um, Let's, you know, something's gone wrong, and then somebody um, will point the finger at somebody else and said, "Oh well, so and so should have checked those those details before they gave them to me." 
And I always sit there and go, well, what stopped you from checking it? You know, so whenever we're in a conversation where you can hear how a team is not functioning well, that blame and finger pointing comes to the forefront, literally. And it's like, "Mm, before you consider pointing the finger at somebody else, take a look at yourself first. You know, what are you doing to either overcome that and stop the blame game from happening and finger pointing? Or are you just going along with it because, you know, so it's, it's really challenging people in the moment which is uncomfortable for some because they get so used to blaming others for things that haven't quite happened right or, um, you know, things that they wanted to be perfect aren't quite as perfect as they were. Um, and they come up with excuses as to why it wasn't. And, you know, that so that denial starts to play in. And then there's that sense of... Um, negativity so there's you know there's a problem but there's no solution that's coming up either with it so you know they become fixated about finding fault in everything rather than just taking that step back and and it's that survival instinct I think I think we're all um I think we're all programmed to at some point want to blame others because we don't want to feel stupid or embarrassed because we should have thought about it in the first place. So it's it's such a fascinating topic um, that you can get involved with, especially when you see it in reality where um, that finger pointing out, well, so-and-so should have done that. Well, where was your role in this? Where's your accountability for checking? Um, And you watch when you're challenging people, they really don't like that. Because it's like, oh, yeah, let me hold the mirror up to you first type thing. So it's good fun, though, because it makes you think differently. It makes you think, oh, I'm not going to do that again. That's not the culture I want to create or the workspace that I want to create. So, yeah, maybe I need to look at myself first before I play pass the blame or pass the buck and play the blame game. Oh, Debs, that's, that's such a good kind of overview as to what you're kind of seeing at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think a phrase that always sort of sticks with me is if you're, if you're stuck in traffic, you're, you're part of traffic. If you're in a toxic culture in your workplace, then you're part of that. And what does that mean in terms of your role, either to not make it any worse <laughs> or at the very best, do what you can to kind of detoxify it. And I think that's what's quite incredible when you're then kind of with teams and then you get someone who is a breath of fresh air and just owns up immediately and says, yep, hands up. Actually, my original intention was I would do X, but certain things happened. How can we now then work together to resolve it or to get that, you know, project over the over, over the line, etc. rather than, well, I did email the other team yeah. <laughs> at 2359, yeah. you know, the night before yeah. the kind of briefing. Or as someone was saying to me yesterday, finding out that there's a new revised tighter time frame around a huge complicated multinational project they're working on that a, a, a date had just been put in there and then she was part of the briefing there to the to the senior team finding out then oh my god there's no way we're going to meet that but this kind <laughs> wow. of uh, one part of an organization yes. just putting the real pressure on another part without actually finding out kind of what the reality is so I think what's always interesting around the the conversations we have at the moment, Debs, is we could have had this conversation, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you know, a blame culture and, you know, one one part always been around. But there's nothing like the convenience of global massive disruption (laughs) (laughs) as the sort of convenient excuse for, um, you know, certain seemingly external reasons preventing you from able to be doing something. And when you've got organisations that got, have got a lot of new people joining an organisation or shifting into different roles, certainly what um, 
conversations I've had with some uh, senior leaders at the moment is people um, blaming um, other people for not having done the role they were supposed to do before they moved a role or someone new not being trained properly by someone else so then not being able to do something but that kind of act of well just kind of shoving it onto someone else's plate at that point you're not doing anything to help progress it forward no definitely and and I think you that's why you have to look at yourself you know because if we're we're blaming others when things goes wrong. It sort of actually just breeds even more blame and breeds even more blame. So that ability to um, sort of switch your mindset to think, okay, um, as you as you said, you know, well, what could we do differently? If we focus on the issue or the problem or the concern and not the person, then that, if you like, depersonalizes it a bit, which can help. So we're not saying, well, you know, so-and-so should have done that. Well, actually, it's the process that probably needs fixing or the expectations haven't been set well um, or the values aren't really clear as to how we work around here. So, you know, we can get over that by taking accountability for how we set how we set things up. Do we set the expectations of what we want from people as well when we're having that initial conversation? Um, you know, so that if we keep blaming and we keep pointing that finger, then that just behaviour continues to breed that behaviour. And therefore, when people, other people see it, so if somebody joins and they see that someone's blaming somebody for not doing that part and they're no longer there, it automatically sets up that thought in their mind that go, oh my God, is that going to, is that what they're going to do for me? So therefore, I will hold back because of fear or don't want to speak up because they might blame me for something that I haven't done. And it just causes absolute chaos, um, which is probably um, not warranted at all. But because we've seen that behaviour played out, then we're in, we can only go on what we've seen and maybe that's how it's going to be moving forward. Um, so it's, it's really important that, as you said, somebody then takes the accountability and sets it up that says, okay, we're, you know, I'm learning I'm still learning what's going on. We have fun with technology, right, Laura? We're still learning about it. Um, and we're quite happy to share. Oops, we pressed the wrong button on that one. But if we share the mistakes and we're learning from it, then that just breeds that trust um, that says, actually, it's a teaching moment um, and not a shaming moment, which is what I, you know, I think some people use that opportunity to shame somebody else. And that's not great. That's really unhealthy and if we're looking at building a culture of trust and collaboration and um, being together and honesty and transparency, the minute that that blame happens or somebody points the finger, you've just taken uh, not just five steps back, but in my opinion, you've just taken 25 steps back. So, yeah, how do we be accountable for how we behave? Because it starts with us. Yeah, I completely agree. I read something that I thought was a wonderful phrase. I'd never heard it before about how um, looking for the opportunity not to be the winner within that conversation, but to be the leader within that conversation. And I thought that was such a neat way of what is the win here to make some poor person that's new in a role feel completely humiliated about um, a mistake that they've made or to completely demoralise someone that has been working their you know, socks off over the last two and a half years to hold it together, who's now been held accountable for something that might have been an intention at the time, but now the mood has changed. So, um, you know, in that moment, what's the win here? Is it actually just to be able to acknowledge something, process it and then move on or to spend the rest of that meeting 
everyone looking through their inbox trying to find, yes, well, when did that email get sent? Which is, I have heard, has happened at some meetings where someone has said, well, I'm sure I did send you that email. And then the whole entire rest of that precious time is spent trying to win that conversation. What does, what, 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 what um, behaviour does that sort of demonstrate in, yeah. in that moment? I mean, it's, it's just, just uh, not it's, good, is it? You know, because, you know, it's, as if it's just, it doesn't help the, the culture if you're trying to create that culture, you know, in the workspace but you know also in the home space sometimes you see it play out sometimes amongst you know friends um where they're blaming somebody for not doing something but and then i would say well how clear were you in setting out the expectation around that you know what what did you do um to be uh, really clear around who is accountable for sorting that out rather than assume because that's the killer of everything right that you know just because they've done it before they're going to do it again Based on what, you know, just because you haven't thought to ask a question um, and step into it with that, I suppose, personal accountability to just, well, I'm just double checking. You know, I know you did it last time. Are you going to do the same thing this time? So we create that clarity, which enables us to feel safer because we know what's coming. So we talked about the certainty. If I know as much as possible that there is some certainty there that that person is going to do that because I've checked it out with them, then we're less likely to sort of go into that negative headspace if they don't do it or when something goes wrong, we're not going to blame them because actually we were both party to that conversation. But yeah, it's really, it's so fascinating when you start to explore the nuances, I think, that sit behind the reason why somebody's blaming somebody else for something because it just means I can't change the person. You know, I, I can, it's me. It's, I've got to change me. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier on about the kind of the survival instinct. And that's what I just think is so fascinating about human behaviour, Debs, because back in the day when we had our small tribes, I guess the role that blame had to keep you safe was that it meant that you still got a space around the fire. <laughs> And yes. you got yeah. a bit of a chicken. So Absolutely. you kind of were kept safe and your needs were met. Yeah. The challenge now is, is that actually now we mingle and we interact with so many other groups of people and teams of people that my kind of short-sighted view to get looked after and not look like the kind of, you know, the wrong one right now in this particular meeting, that reputation then grows around you, which means you might then swim up along someone in a, in a role in five years time who already knows what you were like in that previous role. So that reputation and, you know, millions of years ago, it might have been really tricky to have developed a reputation beyond your own cave, whereas now we have have so much more public lives. We have reputations that are either online or in a real world environment. And I think life is sometimes a bit like a swimming pool, isn't it? Whatever you put in that pool on the length up, <laughs> you're putting it into the pool to swim through on the length down. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm really Absolutely. tricky to work with and in that particular project I might have slithered out of taking any responsibility but there'll be potentially a knock-on effect to your reputation later down the line that had you had maybe a little bit more sort of awareness then uh, you know you might have sort of taken it on the chin in that project because actually people can then trust you more when you get involved yeah. in something a little bit later down the line. Yeah, definitely. And I wish they would teach this to maybe new managers coming into managing people, other people, because they set the tone of that. Um, we've seen that where I've um, had to coach somebody who hasn't been getting a promotion. 
Um, because, as you said, their reputation has gone before them. So whereas they might have started out in a role maybe, you know, 10 years ago and they were not, you know, not taking responsibility, didn't own anything, no accountability for anything at all, blamed everybody else. Suddenly they wake up, if you like, and realise that, oh, this isn't getting them where they need to. Um, but as you said, the damage has already been done. And it's really hard sometimes, especially in larger organisations where, you know, when you mention that person's name, they, somebody might go, oh my God, don't touch them with a barge pole, because they're referencing something that was done eight years ago. Whereas, you know, that person would have changed, hopefully, which they do. But that doesn't stop the frustration for that person not getting the promotion because somebody somewhere remembers what they maybe did on the first length and they shouldn't have done um, because they remember them. And because people don't move in organisations normally that far, there's all these connections that are still there and somebody knows somebody that knows someone, um, you know, and therefore that reputation has just gone to pot and it's not good for them. So I have to work with them on unpicking their behaviour to get them to re, you know, retrain, if you like, think about how they can approach it differently. So, and you know, so they can reset it. And unfortunately, some people leave the organisation they're in because they realise that they're never going to get the opportunity anymore, which I think is more of a reflection on maybe the people that are managing or leading them. Because you know, what about giving that person a chance now? What do you know about them now? How have they shifted and changed? And is it worth it? But there's still that niggle of doubt. So I think if we could teach people that early on in their careers or, you know, it's not good to blame others, actually you're responsible for you, only you can make the changes, I think it would just help people further down the line. I, I completely agree. I really do. And I think the thing is, Debs, is... <clears throat> Typically, the type of person that would listen in to podcasts like this or read books about how to, you know, work well or lead well, typically the type of people that are interested in becoming the best version of themselves aren't the ones that actually need it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so um, actually, a lot of this sort of tools that we're sort of talking about is how to deal with if you're working with people with whom you find tricky to, to deal with. And at some point, someone might have a kind of a wake up moment of thinking, oh, maybe Maybe I need to increase my level of self-awareness because either there's a promotion opportunity that they keep butting against or there are things that aren't going their own way. But it's really tricky to increase your level of self-awareness unless there is a, a trigger to do so. So I think what's always kind of maybe at the back of our minds with these sessions is how do you therefore work with others well in the way that keeps you performing, keeps you effective and happy and sane, um, and in particular around managing time expectations um, if uh, and I was just thinking as you were as you were sharing your kind of tips and it's kind of like you need clarity you need certainty and you need commitment and if you're working with some people with whom you seem to find things just biting you from the behind uh, uh, you know a couple of kind of uh, months later where you thought actually both of you were on the same page around a deadline that had been agreed for example but actually if you'll find that there are some patterns emerging then maybe those three C's might be a nice little check in that right we've had a conversation either verbally or in writing 
Are we, is there clarity around who's doing what and when? Are we each certain about kind of what the other one's going to do about that? Um, and is there a sense of commitment in terms of how we're going to kind of focus in on that? And I, I wonder whether if that's your little kind of safety check, um, that uh, if you're working with some people, you're working in an environment where you're just noticing sometimes there's a bit of a nasty tone and a bit of a judgy tone and it, it's starting to impact your kind of sense of confidence, then um, maybe having a think about about clarity, the certainty and the commitment when agreeing timeframes could then help you thrive, even though you might be working with some people who aren't that interested for whatever reason about working well. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose that would be my call to action really is to, first of all, look at you first because accountability starts with you. So are you role modelling those great behaviours around what it is? You know, are you um, making sure that you know, you own up, as you said earlier, you know, yes, I've made a mistake. I wasn't sure of it. So what am I going to do? Um, and I think that call to action around making yourself aware of what you need to do, be okay to put your hand up and say, yeah, I'm going to reframe the situation. Okay, I made a mistake. Where do we go from here? Um, and then ask the questions to move it forward rather than sit and swim in it, as I always call it. Um, and just apologise sometimes. Yeah, I'm... I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You know, I'm learning from that because it's a learning opportunity. I won't be doing that again. Um, and I'm not going to ignore the fact that I'm accountable for me. So how do you, how you do that is by just taking a moment and think, yeah, if I was to role model those good behaviours for others to learn from, what would they be? Oh, marvellous. And uh, if anyone at Whitehall right now is interested in having personal <laughs> coaching around taking accountability and responsibility. Oh, God, that would be so lovely. <laughs> secret of a coach at AOL.com. Um, and I think my share of the secret would be, um, I always think there's some fascinating stuff, Debs, when you take wisdom from one world and apply it to the other. And in the health and safety world, there is something called the SODIT framework, which is see it, own it, do it. Yeah. So the sod it. So if you see something on the floor that someone could slip over and hurt themselves, you don't just ignore it. You see it, you own it. So you take that hazard right the way through to completion to make sure that it's going to be looked after and you do it. You don't just think, oh, someone must tell someone that there is something on the floor that someone might hurt themselves in. And I think there's some really interesting kind of transfer you could take there. If you're seeing something that actually for you, you're thinking that's not cool or actually there's a lot of blame going on here. Now, am I either going to sit quiet and just hope that someone else comes and clears it up or am I going to see it? Am I going to own it? and say something about, okay, you know, as you said, the language before, either um, taking accountability for it or just challenging it and then do it. So doing something about it that actually makes that floor space, that communication space um, free from blame because just putting out more holes of people to fall into is not what the world needs right now. Life is challenging enough without feeling like you've got to watch your back with the people that you work with because the more we spend our time internally trying to cover ourselves and protect each other, the less we're looking at those external opportunities to make, um, you know, amazing things happen now and leave some great openings for all those younger generation that are looking, going, oh, I can't wait to get into the world of work. But if, the, if, if all the adults around them are bursting into tears because they're just full of, you know, toxic stuff, then, uh, you know, no one would want to get into that. So I think my share of the secret would be borrowing lessons from the world of health and safety. See it, own it, do it. 
in the pursuit of creating a great space to be able to get stuff done. Yeah, I love that. I love that, Law. And that links really nicely into them making the time to sort it as well, doesn't it? Brilliant. Love that. Yeah, nice one. Um, right, now listen. Um, did you see that email that I sent you asking you to... <laughs> I emailed no, it to I, you, I Deb. think I lost that somewhere. <laughs> I just BCC'd in the whole team. <laughs> yeah. I'll come back to you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you, you, as you uh, counter that with a read receipt, as you see me delete the message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tricks people play, eh? <laughs> oh, the tricks people play. Uh, so next episode, we're going to be looking at the third in our feature on uh, Balance and Harmony, um, i.e. time management in a crazy world and the third topic we're going to be looking at is where the first one of the season was about maximizing your own time the topic on this one has been about well how do we ensure we manage expectations so we don't arrive at a working culture that's full of blame and toxicity and negativity etc and then next uh, session is going to be all about well how do we manage overwhelm and overwork and what are some neat tips and tricks that can help us for anyone here that's got a bulging to-do list (laughs) and thinking of all the things that you should have done already and uh, but you want to kind of still enjoy life and enjoy what you do we'll be looking at some tips next week looking at overwork and how to declutter so looking forward to that Yeah, definitely. Me too, Law. I look forward to next week. So yeah, all good. Oh, have a fabulous week. Lots of love. You too. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others. 